0: Right. Okay, welcome everybody. Um, happy Thursday. Super excited to be with you all here today. My name is Meg and I'm part of the marketing team here at Power to Fly. I'm going to be your host um, and I will, I'm really excited to dig into today's subject. Um, very heavy, but I think very necessary to discuss and talk about. Um, so I'll just go over some real quick housekeeping items for you. If you've joined any one of our other virtual events, this will all kind of be old hat to you, so I apologize, but it'll be quick, I promise. Um, Big things to know um, is that participation is huge with us. We absolutely put these events on for you, for our community members, um, and we want all of you to get as much as you um, can out of today's event. So to that end, please feel free to turn your cameras on if you'd like to participate that way. Um, I know that I really appreciate seeing new faces now more than ever. Um, So please feel free to do that. Don't feel like you have to be insta-perfect to do it. Like, I think I'm on like day three of dry shampoo, so just embrace the real guys. Um, please feel free to do that if you'd like, but no pressure if you don't want to. Um, you are more than welcome to come off mute, to um, comment, ask questions, add context to a question that maybe you submitted prior to today's uh, session. We are more than happy to, to facilitate that. The only thing that we try to do is make sure that um, we don't cross talk over other people. So if other people are talking, you know, try and avoid that where possible. I am the exception to that feel free to interrupt me. I get paid to fill the silence, so please, if you have a question and I'm still prattling on, please feel free to come off mute to ask your question, make a comment, whatever you'd like. Um, If you don't have audio or video access or it's just not great or you prefer not to use it, whatever your reason, um, you are still more than welcome to participate uh, in the group chat. It's a separate pop-out window that'll um, enable you to chat with everybody else that's in the chat or that's in the, the Zoom room today. Um, if you want to ask a question, but you don't want it, you want it to be raised anonymously for again, whatever reason. Totally cool. Just make sure that you put it in the chat and instead of sending it to everyone, you pick my name, Maggie Alexander from the drop down and I will make sure your question is raised and I'll keep you anonymous. Um, last but not least, today's session is being recorded. So whether you can join us for five minutes or stay for the full 60 um, no worries. Everybody that registered to for today's event is going to get in uh, one to two business days, you'll get an email with a link to rewatch the video where it's posted on our website. That link will be evergreen. It's gonna be there forever. It's always gonna be free. You can send the link to other people if you'd like. Feel free to spread the love. Um, if you can't wait that long um, till we get it uploaded on our, onto our website, you can also check out our YouTube channel. Like I said, we're streaming live to YouTube right now. Um, we are, our channel handle is at Um So you can check out the video there. It'll be live, it's live currently, and you'll be able to view the recording, I think within a couple minutes of when we end today's call. So please feel free to do that as well if you'd like. Um, the last thing I will say is um, we've also gathered up all the questions for today and made them, put them into like more of a conversational format. So to that end, I'll show you a couple pictures or a couple slides that have all the questions we're gonna cover. Feel free to screenshot those if you'd like, but don't feel like you have to. You don't have to take you know, copious notes. You can always come back and review the video later. Um, I just, some of our more type A joiners generally like to see what's about to be asked. It also gives you an idea if maybe a question that occurs to you is already on the deck, you know, to be covered later, or if you should raise your question now because nobody else has asked anything similar to what you're curious about. So just to kind of keep that in mind as we go through um, the rest of today's chat. So I'd love to introduce you to our speaker here. Here we go. So, Esther is joining us from Zynga. Um, She's an associate product marketing manager at Natural Motion. Apologies, we've been using the Zynga logo for a bunch of this. Um, Her love of the Sims is what brought her here, and buying and reading books are two of her very separate hobbies. And Esther, I completely agree. Buying books is one hobby, reading those books is totally separate. Um, I just want to say welcome and thank you for joining us today. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to add to that introduction?
1: Um, no, thank you for that introduction, and you got the joke, that really helps.
0: (laughs) Honestly, people that don't think they're two separate hobbies are crazy. I have friends that buy books and never read them, I have friends that read books that they borrow from everybody else, and I have friends that do both of them either, or, you know, they're definitely two separate things. Um, right. so as we move forward through today's slide deck, um, Esther had prepared some slides in here, um, but they're more, like, talking points. So do you wanna walk through these or are these literally
1: just for you and we can sh- should skip right to the questions? Um, we can skip straight to the questions, but I guess the most important part before we go straight to the question is giving everyone a bit more context and my backstory with grief and how I experienced that recently working. Um, so my dad died when I was 17 uh, and that was like seven years ago now, so... Um, at this point, I think my grief would look a bit differently, but it doesn't really look like that for me. Um, he died really suddenly. I didn't get to bury him. Um, there was no like lead up to him passing. It was all very sudden. So I guess my grief looks a lot like a spiky diagram. Um, there's lows, there's highs, and it kind of comes around in cycles. Um, so I was kind of going through one of my low periods with my grief. Um, late may and it was also around the time that george floyd died with everything going on around the black lives matter movement and everything else going on with coronavirus so it just felt like this was a really pertinent conversation for everybody to have including myself to be honest because i realized how i was navigating it and how not many people actually speak about their grief and their emotions in general uh, especially in the workplace Um, so yeah can we can go now I just thought that would be useful for everybody to know um, as I talk about this because grief is different for everybody Um, grief doesn't always involve the loss of a loved one or somebody you know personally grief takes so many shapes and forms and it's really personal and really unique Um, so yeah thank you
0: thank you so much for adding that context and thank you for sharing that with us I know that it's, it's not an easy thing to share your personal losses with other people. So thank you for that. Um, and I think that's a very, very good point to make and something that absolutely should be hammered home is that grief can take so many different shapes. It looks completely different on everybody. And grief does not just have to be due to a personal loss via death. Like it's, grief takes many forms and it can hit you, hit you from losses and from, from the, you know, other experiences that you never would have thought would have anything to do with grief. All right. So to bring us to our first question slide, oh, before we get to that, I'm so sorry, I completely forgot about this. Um, I do want to point out, let's see here. Let me get to the right slide. I do want to call out before we push much further, um, Zynga is hiring on Power, uh, via Power to Fly. So I'm going to put some links into the chat for anybody that is interested um, in checking out Zynga. Um, the one thing that I do want to call out here is that I highly encourage you, especially if you are. Um, if you look on their website or you look on their page on power to fly and you don't see anything that would really suit you, any jobs that really interest you or anything like that, greatly encourage you to click that follow button on their company page. It's going to be at the top. It'll be a big pink button that says follow. Um, putting, joining that follow network does two things for you. Um, it's going to alert you when Zynga posts new roles or participates in events like today's chat and learn, like our upcoming virtual career fair, like our mini summits, any of those things. Um, but it also tells the Zynga team that you are very interested in working for them. So it's it's a very good way to make sure that you stay up, you know, stay updated on new new roles that are posted and that kind of thing. But it's also kind of works as you know a, a bit of like a friend on the inside um, that helps tell you like when things are happening or helps you know kind of pitch you a little bit to the Zynga team. So please take a look at that if you'd like. Um, and as we get into our questions, uh, we talked a little bit about. I was going to leave these open for you guys, so take a look here if you'd like to take a screenshot, feel free. Slide one, and then slide two, and we will get started here with the first question slide. So Esther, this first section is about navigating the workspace. Um, How much should you reveal regarding your personal life, loss, grief? in the workplace? I know that that can be, the answer can differ greatly depending on your personal comfort as well as the type of work that you do, the type of workplace you have, Um, but are there any like general
1: guidelines or how you can kind of judge when is appropriate
0: or when you feel comfortable?
1: Yeah, I think, so I started therapy like a year ago now and in that the biggest lesson that I've been learning is the power of, the power in vulnerability basically. So like you mentioned, it's really relative of the amount that you expose to your colleagues or your boss or whatever, but I still think it's really pertinent for us to talk about how we feel on that one given day even if it's like I feel really shit today um I think it's important for us to do that not only because it allows us to hold space for ourselves and our own emotions but it also lets people around us know how to navigate that and navigate this experience with us in whatever regard so um how much you should reveal is really personal to you um but I still think you should say something along the lines of, I'm not feeling great today, I'm going through something. And then on the receiving end of that, people who hear that, um, colleagues, if you hear this from people you work with, um, one thing that was really helpful for me with my colleagues was just them being like, okay, well, I'm here for you if you want to talk about it, but not really forcing that conversation, because you never really know when somebody's actually ready to have more in-depth conversations. So I hope that helps with a bit more context.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that communication is is very key. Um, We've got uh, people talking in the chat about you know various ways that they've um, they've experienced these similar situations. So I think I think it's it's almost a floodgate situation where once one person starts to open up like this, other people feel more comfortable to do so. Um, And thank you also for for mentioning that you uh, entered therapy because I feel like maybe it's just an attitude in the states, um, but it's very much seen usually as like something you do to get over a very specific trauma and then you don't talk about it ever again. And it's, I think it's one of those things that we really need to normalize a lot more as um, kind of an ongoing part of good, you know, good self-care and good, um, you know, mental health as a real aspect of health, you know, not just something that's going on in your head, but like something that can affect all aspects of your your physical health, your life, everything. So yeah, thank you for that.
1: I completely agree Um, and just to add I think as a black woman coming from a Nigerian background it's very much seen as a taboo to go to therapy. And it's very much seen that you have to be going through something really extreme for you to need that. But I think everybody could do with exploring their emotions a bit more because it can help us be a lot more compassionate to other people and help us understand other people a lot more or ultimately ourselves. So I definitely agree with breaking the stereotypes around doing what you can for your mental health, whatever that looks like, but always taking time for you as well especially black women, especially black
0: women. Absolutely. and Actually, we've got uh, an anonymous comment in the chat that I really want to share with everyone. Um, This person said, I had an experience others may want to know. I had to talk to a recruiter at my dream company shortly after my mother died about a week later. And I shared with that recruiter what had happened. And thank God I did because she said, I'm glad you told me. Otherwise, I would have thought you weren't interested in our company. And I was only taking that call because the company was very important to me, ignoring all else due to the recentness of my mother's death. So thank you so much um, for sharing that with us. Uh, I, it's that that communication is huge. Other Nobody knows what you're going through unless you're you share it with them. Now that's not to say you have to if you're not comfortable um, and I mean maybe you've experienced this Esther with um, you know certain days you feel like you want to talk about it and other days it's it's more I'm going through some stuff. I'm not trying to be cagey on purpose. I just don't really want to discuss it right now. Can we, you know, but I'll I'll update you later when I'm more comfortable with it or something like that. Um, yeah, having that, that communication open is, is so important and so huge for people. Um, all right. So this next question, somebody wrote in asking or saying, um, people experience many different types of losses in life. Where is the line drawn in regards to the type of losses? Workplace or societal expectations seem to only accept the passing of a family member or close loved one as a reason for grieving, and I feel like this is something a lot of people think because look at your company handbook. it's mostly outlining how many days you can have off based on the you know proximity of that person within your bloodline it's It's kind of bizarre, right
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's really difficult with a subject like grief or an experience like grief, Um, especially with me. My dad died like so many years ago, but it doesn't change the impact of how I deal with it. So I feel like as a society, we're definitely moving in a direction where we're allowing more room for nuanced conversation and nuanced experiences. So in terms of drawing a line at the type of losses, it's really difficult to say because it's all subjective and it all needs to be rooted in that self-respect and respect for people as humans in general. Like we all have feelings and the least we could do is just listen and then see where we can go from there. So I don't think it's the most healthy thing to draw a line around the types of losses because there are so many Um, and it's really again unique to each person and how that person feels about that loss. Um, that's the most important thing at the end of the day. And when we're dealing with a loss or dealing with grief, I know I couldn't function in the same way. Um, I know I was holding myself to these unrealistic expectations of how I'm supposed to be functioning in this period, when in actuality, that just isn't the, the fact. So yeah, I don't think it. There is there should be a line drawn. It should all be based on how that person is feeling and how that person is experiencing that loss. Absolutely.
0: And that's one of those situations where even if you aren't sure, especially as someone who, who if you are currently grieving, it's so, it, it's so hard to see the forest through the trees, right? It's very hard to kind of step outside yourself, get that bigger picture and realize, well, this is, a, this is an easier day or this is a, a worse day or tomorrow will be better or tomorrow will be worse. Because you, you don't know. You, you have no way of knowing ahead of time and you're basically just being forced to react as these things happen but opening up that, that communication and at least being comfortable enough with yourself to like, to, to look within, realize how you're doing and then communicate that to others, or at least communicate what you need to others, um, especially on your team is so helpful. And it's, it's also very hard thing to do. So I don't mean to trivialize it. I don't mean to be like, oh yeah, just do this. Just talk to your team. It's, it's huge when everybody is on the same page when it comes to grief and everyone has that respect for the fact that it's, It's unknowable until you're going through it.
1: Totally agree.
0: All right, so this next question asks, um, oftentimes people are encouraged to always keep work and personal life separate. Do you think there's a healthy balance to this? And how can teams practically become more vulnerable with each other about personal matters that might be affecting their work?
1: work is life (laughs) um we spend like 40 hours a week uh, at work and one of my colleagues Ren, made a really good point like depending on how you view it work can actually be your family so it depends on how comfortable you feel in these spaces to be honest Uh, i don't think you should keep them separately Uh, at least i try not to keep them separately um obviously it 's not the same level of like transparency that I would have with my friends because at the end of the day, I still work with these people, but I still want to be present in these situations. I still want them to know me outside of my role. so the best way to do that is not by keeping them se- is not keeping them separate. Um, I definitely think there 's a healthy balance. If you start small and then scale your way into what feels comfortable for you, um, that's the best way to approach it, in my opinion. I'm very much um, an introvert where I scope out my surroundings first and then I decide, okay, this is how I'm going to function. And in that I was able to see, Okay, these are the things I'm comfortable with sharing with people. These are the things I'm not. And you shouldn't feel guilty about whatever your balance looks like. I think the most important thing is just thinking about showing up as yourself in whatever these situations are, um, regardless of what society tells us we're not allowed to do, whether it be due to our complexion, our gender, our sexuality. I think we should still try and push past that um, for sure. Uh, and then the second part of the question is how can teams become more vulnerable with each other Um, so this is basically touching on what I mentioned earlier is just saying something Um, I was definitely falling victim to at least when I started a natural motion in my first few months if somebody asked me how I was even in my personal life I'd just be like I'm fine I'm good Um, But that was a lie. It was a total lie. Um, And then I'd have to force myself to behave in that manner when in actuality that was not how I felt at all. Um, So I think understanding that it's okay for you not to feel up all the time, it's okay for you to feel down, and it's okay for you to hear that this person is feeling uncomfortable, so I think that's how we could all become a bit more vulnerable with our colleagues, uh, especially around personal matters, and then gradually you'll see that you're working with a person, you're not working with just a colleague, it's a person, and that's the most important thing to have in mind whenever we approach these things.
0: Thank you, thank you for saying, for calling out that, especially the the, the bit that you said about how people think you're supposed to be acting based on your gender, your, your complexion, your sexual orientation, your age even, honestly, can be a huge factor there. Um, it, the, the expectations that people have societally about grief and about even just emotional reactions in general, um, it's it's something we, we got to start working on, you know, we have to start talking more about how different people experience things, because, like, it's perfectly fine if you are stone-faced through grief, not everybody cries, not everybody falls apart, not everybody goes through these things, it doesn't mean it's not affecting you, and it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to be, like, hey, I need some space, um, but it's, you know, it's just, it's so huge to have that, that, like, lead with kindness, you know, lead, lead with that idea that you don't know what that other person's going through, and they might be going through a whole lot, or they might not be going through anything, but it's easier and better on everybody if you lead with kindness, you lead with that assumption that everybody's a little bit breakable, and everybody needs a little bit more care. I mean, if not in the middle of a pandemic, when are you going to start this attitude, you know? Um, And I think that's a really, you know, you make a really good point about those teams becoming more vulnerable with each other. Like, we talk a lot, um, especially in the last four months or so, um, with people who have never gone remote before. And they're always really kind of confused about, like, how is this going to work, whatever. And one of the things I like to talk to people or tell people is a, a very positive but unexpected result of, you know, the pandemic and quarantine and all this stuff we're not becoming less professional, but we're becoming a lot more real about the fact that we are people at work. You, Like you said, it's not just a coworker, it's a person that you work with. And so you get to see more of that inside view of like what people's lives are like, what their houses are like, what their workspace is like. Um, and it it allows you to have that, that joint vulnerability with your team members that maybe you wouldn't have had before. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it, That that not only do you need to be vulnerable with these people, but you can absolutely draw that line in the sand and not feel guilty about doing so. Thank you for for specifying that. All right, so this next section is gonna deal a little bit with the stress and grief. I think I clicked the wrong slide, I'm so sorry, guys. Hold on here, sorry. Oh, refresh it. I had to refresh it, I'm so sorry, guys. Here we go. There we go. Okay. All right. I can be taught. Okay. So for this next question, this person asked, how do you figure out how to ask for time off with these types of things? How do you ask for work forgiveness when it is so hard to focus on your work? Yes, sometimes you can use it as an escape, but oftentimes the grief is debilitating. How do you overcome it, if not in all
1: regards, at least in the workplace to keep your job? Oh, this question was really juicy because I'm a hypocrite, Um, especially recently. uh, My manager literally has to beg me to take time off. It's really bad. Um, I delude myself into thinking that work is a really good distraction when I haven't actually addressed how I'm feeling. Um, I noticed that I would sit there. And then I'd forget what I was doing, or it'd be really hard to concentrate. And my mind would just keep circling back to the same thing. Um, But then there'd be other days where all I'd be doing is working. So that's, again, the thing about grief, it changes on a day to day basis. So when it comes to asking for time off about these things, I just say, uh, sorry, excuse my language, um, just bucket because it's the most important thing to just take a minute to pause and assess how you're feeling in the same way that if your friend came to you and said oh this has just happened to me I've just gone through this massive life change you would take that moment to be like okay I'm going to listen to what you have to say uh, and in that same regard I really believe we should do that with ourselves um in whatever form that looks like you just take that minute to acknowledge how you're feeling. And that's only going to happen when you don't have all these other, um, what's the word? All these other um, prompts, all these other things going on in your life. If you could have one less thing in your peripheral to deal with, why not take that option? Uh, I definitely think in doing that and in acknowledging how you feel, that's the only time forgiveness will come. Um, because you're recognising that this is a real emotion, this is real for me, this is what I'm going through. So I might as well accept it. I might as well forgive myself for how I feel right now. Uh, I might as well forgive myself for not fo- um, performing in the same way that I was performing before this happened to me or before this period of grief came to me. Um, so, yeah, I would just sit there and cry a bit because I wasn't doing work um, And I'd cry about not doing work. I'd cry about my dad. I'd cry about George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. I'd cry about so many things. Um, And I'd look at the time and be like, ah, time's gone. Ah, oh well, that's part of it. Like, it's okay. It's okay for time to go by. It's okay for you to focus on your work. and it's not going to be forever just because you're not focusing on your work today doesn't mean next week. You might not have a day of feeling productive. We just need to give ourselves that room to be flexible. Um, and I think that's the best, the biggest thing and not necessarily overcoming it, but coping with it is giving your re- yourself room to be flexible in your emotions and your productivity, um, especially in like keeping our job we hold, uh, I know I do, I hold my self-worth really in a strong correlation with my productivity. And it's something I'm consciously unpacking on a daily basis. So just catch yourself with your reflex reaction of, oh, I'm not doing this. And then just counteract with it with And that's okay. Like, even if that's the end of your sentence, that's something, um, that's you doing something to counteract that voice that's telling you you're not doing enough.
0: You got me tearing up over here, so like, <laughs> I, I have nothing to add to that. It's dead on all the way. Um, we do have a couple of questions that were coming in from people in the chat that I do want to get to. Um, so Jackie had asked, how do you handle companies that have resources but don't respect you when you're, when you're talking about grievances? Um, following up for clarification, like if they don't accept that you're not presenting as the best version of yourself or it's okay that you're not feeling well or that you're hurting that day um is there any way to kind of professionally react to that 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 is not um you know more detrimental to the situation uh
1: yeah I think I have one um I just want to say thank you thank you so much to everybody who's helped me with this talk because of all the resources that I've found so this one was really helpful for me um it's called this website called whatsyourgrief.com uh, I just get a whole bunch of different types of grief. I get a whole bunch of articles and be like, here it all is. This is why this period of time is really important for me to take. Um, and if they don't listen to that, uh, then it just, I think, then the next step is reevaluating things. Depending on everyone's circumstances, it's very different. But yes, whatsyourgrief.com was really good. Um, it has so many resources on the types of grief, the aspects of grief, um, how it looks on people. Yes, that's it. So I feel like if you want things to back up what you're saying, you might as well go here. It, it's not all academic. It's also people's experiences. But why isn't that enough? Um, sometimes these academic institutions who's behind it and who gets to say what is what isn't the only way things are in reality so make the most of what's out there to help you support your case and don't ease up even if they don't respect it
0: this is definitely something to take note of you know if you get this kind of pushback from a company and trying to clarify your position or trying to you know dig in or or understand maybe why they're answering the way they are, Um, if it doesn't lead to a good resolution or it, you know, doesn't really lead to any kind of, you know, coming to a common ground or something that you can live with, take note of these things. Think about them because like the way a company treats you when you are doing well for them is great and that's awesome and that's definitely, you know, something that is important but that relationship when it's not beneficial to them and how they treat you then is very, very, very telling. Like, I'm not saying you know they don't want to give you an extra day of bereavement until you leave your job, but think about these kinds of things because the way that company treats you when when the chips are down says a lot more than the perks that you get from being super productive or super helpful or saving their butts on you know whatever matter having that day. Um, it's also a good time to pull out your kudos folder and be like, hey, uh, remember those like 18 times that I saved your bacon? <laughs> Maybe we should think about this when I say I need a day. So very important things to think about. Um, Robin has also asked, uh, a lot of these conversations are between a direct report and their manager generally. How might we ensure a safe space within extended teams? It can be a lot to unpack and manage while still maintaining confidentiality. We talked about this a little bit um, a couple questions ago, but are there any real like tips that you have for navigating, especially that confidentiality aspect where maybe you've shared something with one member of your team, don't really feel like unpacking it for the rest of you know a 10 person team but that a person that you told may not feel comfortable
1: kind of breaking the news to everybody else that's that's really interesting scenario actually um i think that if the person you've told isn't really comfortable um sharing that and being kind of your your external support when you aren't there um maybe even it's a thing of a you speak to HR um and that they know that okay if I'm not going to tell my wider team I at least I can tell HR um, at least I can still have that in terms of how I perform and people won't think uh I'm not thinking about my role or doing my job um at least that way you're covered in that regard uh the only other thing that i can suggest is i know this sounds really arbitrary but a slack status um even if it's just an emoji um, and the confidentiality aspect if there was like a workplace standard where um If somebody's going through something and they don't really want to go into it what is the signal that we can give um to every to the people who speak to us regularly to know okay this this is what this means i i need to think about this when approaching this person uh that's the most off-the-fly answer i could think of right now (laughs)
0: Thank you for that, and I know I very much appreciate your willingness to take these questions from people that are participating today. I can be It can be a little rattling to take a question with like sight unseen and try and come up with a very good answer off the spot, so thank you for that. Um, this person then gave a little bit of further clarification saying, as a manager, I have asked HR and gotten no response. I want to help advocate for my direct reports as they're already dealing with a lot and don't have the energy to advocate for themselves. So thank you on behalf of the managed everywhere. Um, that is a really really great quality to have as a manager. Um, I can say from personal experience I've had somewhat recent um, losses that I've grieved and when I didn't feel comfortable talking to the you know the main uh, like you know my extended team group um, or just didn't really want to go over it 16 times um, I, I went to my boss I went to my direct report my team manager and I said hey here's what I'm going, like what I'm dealing with, I really don't want to talk to a bunch of people about it. If you want to give this, you know, some kind of shorthand to the team to let them know, like I'll be, you know, kind of unavailable the rest of the afternoon or I'll be a little bit off or a little bit slow to respond this week or something like that. I feel like having that communication with your manager is a good way to do it because that way you can kind of work together to come up with whatever you're comfortable sharing the manager can then disseminate that as ne- as needed to the rest of the team, whether it's you know a real quick Slack message to the team, or if it's you know an email to whoever has been asking after you, you know anything like that. It can it can be that easy. It's just asking for that level of communication, trying to open that that door there. All right. Um, so this next question, this person says, I started a new job less than a month after my mom's funeral. Giving it my all felt impossible at times. Do you recommend letting your employer know about your situation, especially if you're just starting?
1: Yes. I know that's really straightforward. Um, Sometimes life is that straightforward. Uh not only will it help you not pressure yourself to do X, Y, Z in these in this new period of starting your job. Uh I, I know when I started I was thinking I have to soak in this all this information. I want to be able to do this by this day. Um it all goes back to these expectations that we have for ourselves. Those are not realistic because you're not functioning from the same place. Um, so if not, at least your manager, like I definitely would encourage you to say something to your manager, um, that will also let them know that how you're going to be functioning in this new period of you starting your job is going to be different. Um, you're not going to necessarily have the most attention that you would, or you would, or you might, you might throw yourself into work more, but, um, they need to understand that this is a nuanced performance, and they can't look at it as um, as the big picture for your whole, like your whole capability, basically. And neither should you. Uh, so I definitely think it's really important to let them know, and they can also know how they can support you as well if they have any already um, resources set up in the company. You can access all of that stuff and not go through things by yourself.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very, very, I mean, yes, it's straightforward, but it's very smart. You know, if you are starting under kind of unusual conditions, you would absolutely tell them. Think about it in terms of like a broken arm. If you broke your arm, and you still had to start work, you'd have a cast. Somebody would ask you, you'd, you'd have to at some point say, well, I broke my arm. It would be that easy to to just kind of specify out for your new employer, they'd make whatever accommodations necessary because they and you know that the broken arm will will heal eventually. It's just something that you are going through right now and it needs to be addressed. Um, And if we just treat it more like a physical ailment or more like um, something that's already kind of legitimized within the work world. it, it, it lends it more of that gravitas and it lends it more legitimacy because people are actually, like, actively talking about it. Um, let's see. So going into our next question here. This person had asked a kind of a two-parter, so we'll, go, we'll try and tackle these separately. Um, it seems like many folks in the workplace are understanding of immediate grief, um, or, I'm sorry, immediate grief-related time away from the office, but grief doesn't work on a set timeline. What do you feel are the best approaches to communicating with your workplace about how you're feeling the pull of grief and may need some personal time off work to handle it without fear that you might hinder your relationship with your team? How do you handle things differently as an employee versus when you're a manager?
1: So I'll unpack that bit by bit. Uh, I can attest to grief not working on a set timeline um i think people have this misconception of grief that you heal or it disappears uh that isn't the case like at all um, it just, you get better at coping with it. And I saw this amazing illustration shared with me by my colleague that, you know, uh, the grief is still there, but everything else around it, like life, the happy moments, your job, your friends, like that kind of keeps growing around it. And the grief is still there. We just get better at coping with it. So in that regard, because it's not a set timeline, you never know, all you do is, Um, You never know when it's going to set off or what could trigger that. And for me, I was already going through one. And then with everything else going on in the world, it just made it exacerbated. And I realized how strong the relationship, my levels of stress were to what my grief looked like. Um, Stress is a really normal part of life. It's how we view it and how we deal with it um that kind of shapes the outcome so I realized in coping with stress I was better able to cope with my grief at the same time so uh in regards to the best approach to communicating about how I feel about the grief um it just goes back to the self-compassion thing I would think you should just do it for yourself and say in the most in the way that feels the most comfortable to you uh I know at one point I'd I actually couldn't get out of bed. So I was just like, I'm just going to take today off. And then the next day, I I thought I was going to be able to do a half day today. It got to one o'clock. I said, no, I'm just going to take the whole day off. So when you are feeling that, when you are feeling that pull of grief, say something. Um, Even if it's just a couple of hours that you need to take to just unwind, it's really important to still say something. Um, and I don't think we should have a fear of it hindering our work relationships. Uh, at the end of the day, we are still people and we need to always leave that room for understanding. Even now with coronavirus uh, and everyone working from home, all these expectations of everybody getting back to us in the same breath um, speed is just not the same. So... Don't be fearful of how it will impact your relationship. At the end of the day, if you're coming from an honest, vulnerable, to whatever extent that looks like, place, the person actually has no choice but to be like, okay, I see you, I hear you, um, and I'll just have to respect that. I impact how your relationship looks, but it's still really necessary conversations because that's the only place change happens is in these uncomfortable conversations. Um, so, in terms of handling things differently as an employee versus a manager, I'm not a manager. So, this is just speculative. <laughs> um, as an employee, I think you have the liberty to just focus on yourself, whatever that looks like, and then communicating that outwardly. But as a manager, if you are going through the grief, you can't. You have a responsibility, or a feeling of a responsibility, of communicating that to whoever's uh, working with you. Um, or your subordinates and then also protecting your employee if they're going through that it's kind of that double-edged sword of i need to find a balance of offering the support in the way that that person needs it but also learning when to just step back at the same time so i think that's the best approach and understanding when you can best step in to support your employee I know my manager did such an amazing job of that for me and when times felt really overwhelming I knew he was always there for me to just say can you help me with this Um, and I never felt guilty about that so I think building that relationship within the foundation of your work um, workspace is really important.
0: I like how you specified that you were able to go to your manager and say like I need help with this or this is what I need um, I feel like this kind of goes back to what you had said earlier about about setting those boundaries about what you were comfortable sharing. Um, but if you set up instead of going to your, your manager or going to your team and saying like I'm going through some stuff and I can't work the same hours that I used to or I can't finish the same amount of projects that I used to or something like that. You're yes, you're, you're telling them that you're going through something and that's great and you're kind of helping lay out a little bit of expectations for them but you're also not really giving them a lot to work with. So you're, you're presenting them a pretty open field and whatever responses they give to that is what you're going to have to then react to and either go with or fight against or whatever. Whereas if you, if, you lead, if, you, if you take a little bit of time for yourself to kind of figure out what you actually need and then you are able to ask for that, then it, it presents a much clearer um, pathway for people to help you. And in my experience generally it means you will be cl- you may not get exactly what you need or what you think you want um, in, in terms of help from others but you'll be a lot closer to it than if you just say I'm not doing well today and then just wait for responses um, if you if you are able to say like hey I need help finishing this project or this is due tomorrow I cannot process it I've gotten it this far and I just can't can somebody help you know kind of carry this across the finish line um, having that, that specific ask, not only, like I said, gives them more of a roadmap, but also gives them a jumping off point. So like if the rest of the team can't really support that, maybe there's a a middle ground of like, hey, can you put in another hour, get it to this point, then do the handoff. So it would be, you know, and that can put a lot of lift on somebody when you're in grief. But if you are able to do that for yourself and able to really ask for what you need, it can be very helpful to you um, and to the others around you so that they have a practical way of helping you. We've got really great comments coming up in the chat here, guys. This is amazing. Um, let's. Uh, I'm gonna go with one of the questions that was asked earlier. Um, Nancy had asked if you could, if you if you are comfortable, um, kind of talking a little bit more about the differentiation between different types of grief, um, especially when you're talking about um, maybe not necessarily like death in the family, but like you know accidents or problems that people run into, health issues, um, that kind of thing about how, is is there different ways that we should talk about the grief in those situations or should we really just kind of couch it from this place of grief is grief and it might come from these different situations but it should still be respected just as much?
1: Um, Yeah I think, so in my research uh, and I I knew somebody was going to ask, there's loads of different types of grief Um, Because even this year, grieving Breonna Taylor, Lua Twain, um, that felt really different. I didn't know them personally, but I really felt the loss of their lives. I felt that um, really deeply. And I was like, what kind of grief is this? Um, and we're inundated with that on a regular basis. There are like 14 different types of grief. So it's really difficult to say, um, you have to treat this grief like this way. Um, we could just approach it as grief, as an umbrella thing. And then in that person's experience, then we can dissect it and then we can look at, okay, this, this is that type of grief. How is the best way for me to approach helping this person when it comes to this issue, um, and that's definitely the main point I'd say on that. Thank you for that, thank you for sharing.
0: Um, okay, so to address the next section here, this one's called guilt and grief, and this is huge for so many people, um, and I, we've already touched a little bit on the idea of not feeling guilty about where you know where you are right now or where, where your emotions are, um, but this person's question is a little bit more pointed, about how to not feel guilty and hold confidence for easing work or not contributing during, most, during the most during a grieving process. So are there certain steps other than just saying to yourself, like, don't feel guilty? Um, are there, like, you know, other habits that people can do to kind of um, bolster that or help support themselves when they feel really not confident in saying, like, grief is Okay.
1: Uh, yeah, so I'm the kind of person who does um, to-do lists extensively uh, to the point where they the, the previous to-do list kind of blends into the next to-do list's day. Um, so what I had to do was strip it all the way back and say, what are the three things I want to get done today? And to get those three things done today, what do I have to do? Um, we kind of need to scale back on everything. Uh, I think that's the first and best way to not feel as guilty um, in not working or contributing in the same way because as i mentioned we don't function in the same way so by scaling back our productivity expectations there's less for us to feel guilty about if anything these little wins can do a lot for us throughout the day um, these little, oh, I actually managed to send an email today, even if it's as rudimentary as, as that, I think that's the most beautiful thing about it. It doesn't have to be this grand, um, thing. It could be really small, like three things that you want to do today. And I'd also say one thing for yourself, um, outside of work related and productivity related, like one thing that will make you feel good today.
0: Absolutely, I love the idea of the small wins, and I love the idea of giving yourself credit for what you got done, even if it was small. Um, especially if it was small in your own eyes. Um, it's it's just it's important to celebrate those wins where you get them because it might be a very long time before you have another one, and you shouldn't discount the steps that you're making forward because every little bit counts. Everything that you're doing does count. It's more than you did yesterday. It's you know it's it's. You, you were all just doing our best. All right, so this next person has said, they wrote in asking, have you ever dealt with feeling guilt for not allowing grief to be at the forefront of your mind, particularly while working? How did you reconcile that with yourself, the sense that you should be somehow consciously mourning at all times? And I feel like this is very prevalent with a lot of people, depending on the nature of the loss, is that you feel like you're somehow not either not honoring that person or you're not you don't have as much respect as you should for the situation if it's not constantly at the forefront of your mind but you know can you can you speak to kind
1: of that idea and why we should maybe like let go of that somewhat yes um there is no wrong way to grieve uh i just want to put that out there there is no wrong way to grieve um It's so, so different in everybody. And just because it's not at the forefront of your mind, it doesn't mean it's not still there. It doesn't mean that person, that situation was not still a part of your life in whatever capacity. Um, Just because something changes, just because something is no longer around, that doesn't mean it holds any less significance. Um, And I just, I would always have to remind myself of that. Um, I've noticed myself as well, like over the years, I think to myself, do I even remember what my dad's voice sounds like? And then I'll start feeling bad about it because, oh, how could I do that? He's not around. Like, I need to remember that part of it, but it's okay. Like that's part of grief. It just, it just constantly evolves. Um, and we shouldn't do a disservice to that and ourselves to limit it, um, in one way of existence. Uh, in ourselves and in other people as well.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly feel like there's there's really nothing I I could say that would follow that any and give you any justice in what you just said. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, it can feel earth shattering to realize that you're forgetting things about someone or you're forgetting, um, you know, certain feelings or certain memories, and it's it's very hard, but yeah, having that, just continually reminding yourself, and I do this too, like, I remind myself, like, the way I grieve is not the way my sister grieves, the way I grieve is not the way my parents grieve, even, you know, the way I grieve isn't the way my husband grieves, it's, you have to respect the way other people's grief looks, so that you can really make sure that you are drawing those borders, so that you're asking other people to respect your grief, but you're respecting your grief as well. Um, it can be really, really easy to internalize those societal pressures to react a certain way or act a certain way. Um, and that that self-forgiveness is huge, that having that patience and that and giving your, yourself that space is very important.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's just catching that reflex. It's a really strong, like it's a knee-jerk reaction. Um, but when you catch it, just add something else to the end of the sentence in your head.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that, because I feel like people, people have this, this belief that, like, once you have that thought, you, there's, like, you know, it's already out there. There's no way to counter it. It's like, no, 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 The whole idea isn't to stop yourself from having those thoughts. You, you work towards that, but if you're still having those thoughts, that's fine. Just keep tacking on at the end, nope, that's not a helpful thought. Instead, we're going to think this, you know, making that conscious choice to be nice to yourself, even if your knee-jerk reaction is not to be nice to yourself, um, can go a long way. Um, All right, so this person had written in saying, I need more help with self-compassion and reconciling feelings of guilt and grief. I know time heals a lot, but there's and there's no easy fix, but some days I really struggle with focusing on the task at hand. Do you have any coping strategies for this? We talked a little bit about having the easy wins and things. Are there any other coping strategies that you use, especially when you're feeling unfocused because of grief?
1: Going outside in the coronavirus pandemic, <laughs> um, go for a walk. The sky, the trees, they really help. Um, even if you don't like nature, it's just the air. It's the the change um, that kind of changes your mind and how you're feeling about yourself because you're not in that same space. Even if it's for like five minutes, just going outside and looking at the sky and seeing the trees. Um, I think that kind of helps because you come back in and you're like, okay, now I can look at this with a different light. Um, Lydia really mentioned that it's really grounding and I totally agree. I love nature and it's one of the best things that really helps me like, and then come back inside and also understanding that if I go inside and I'm not as focused anymore, um, that's okay. Uh, I might as well do something else. Um, I might as well do another task and then drop a note saying I'm tra- I'm changing what I'm working on. Um, and I'll, ca- I'll pick that up another time. Uh, I would box myself into completing things when they weren't really uh, one realistic timelines or two uh, actually feasible for normal people, <laughs> whatever that is. Um, so don't box yourself in to time um, to completing things within a time timeframe. Uh, so I'd say nature and not boxing yourself in within timeframes.
0: Yeah, I like that idea of like a change of scenery. Um, I know that we have probably some people joining us that maybe don't have the ability or the freedom to go outside right now. I know a bunch of our coworkers in Argentina are on literal lockdown. Um, one of the things that was super helpful for me was getting up out of the chair that I'm sitting in, and go sit someplace else. Even if all I do is take a lap around the house once and then I go sit in another room for two or three minutes, I can then come back to work and, and do that. But it's kind of giving me that that sense that I'm changing my scenery, that sense that I'm, I'm removing myself from that situation, I'm getting to breathe a little bit, um, can be kind of really helpful, especially if you are getting to that stage where it's not just the lack of focus, but you feel overwhelmed. Um, that can, that can sometimes come with, with grief. Um, It's, it's something that's very helpful for me. Um, I am going to show, share another, there's two more links I'm putting in the chat box right now, and they're, they're um, ideas that have helped me a lot with grief in the past, um, and actually even pretty recently. Um, One of them is the, the ball in the box theory, which I'm sure Esther is well aware of, Um, and then the other is the spoon theory, when you're talking about um, kind of like taking those small wins and Um, allowing yourself to to feel productivity, even if it's in small areas, um, can kind of really help. So, feel free to check those out if you'd like, they're just um, things that I've run across in the years of being a person on the planet um, that have really helped me in different different aspects. So, please feel free to uh, take a look at those if you'd like later. All right, so this next section we're coming to is about the personal experience with grief. This person's
1: question said,
0: do you consider self-compassion to be the same as self-pity?
1: No, sorry, so blunt. Um, But no, because why is being nice to yourself self-pity? I don't think we should equate the two Um, and just based off the Oxford dictionary, I don't think it does a a service to it. I think when it comes to self-compassion, it's all about being kind to yourself. It's all about being mindful of yourself and how you feel. Um, They're very much interlinked and self-pitying. It just, I think that's a perception of what self-compassion can look like, but that isn't what it actually is. Um, So it starts with unpacking how you view yourself, and then you can see that there's nothing wrong with being nice to yourself. As hard as it is, I know I struggle sometimes, it's very easy to be self-deprecating. It's very easy to view um, how you're feeling and put yourself down even more uh, I, I I definitely know that from experience, but it's just this constant reminder that why is being nice to myself so wrong? Um, and in that answer, depending on your own experience, sometimes it's, it can lead to you feeling a lot worse. But I just constantly keep going back to this thing of, if somebody in your life care, you really cared about came to you and said these things that you're saying to yourself, Um, How do you approach it? Uh, uh, How do you hold that person? Uh, And how do you want to be held?
0: Yes, that is absolutely one of those, one of those things that sounds like a kind of like, super fluffy, crunchy granola, like way to view things. But talking to yourself, like you would talk to a friend is huge because I feel like until most people, until you like really step back and and really listen to how you talk to yourself, a lot of people don't realize how hard, how like kind of detrimental it can be. It's real easy. I do the self-deprecating thing constantly because it's way easier, right? It's way easier to be like, ah, no, I'm just a mess today. Like, you know, make it a, make it a joke, be able to play it off. It pulls the focus from it. You get to feel great because you've made people laugh or at least you've, you know, Hold the focus from what you're weirdly going through and you don't like. Um, but yeah, like there's, there's stuff I say to myself that I would never say to a friend and I would never be friends with anybody that said it to me. So w- don't allow yourself to, to be so mean. Pretend like you're talking to a friend, pretend like you're talking to someone that you, you have that caring relationship with and you will be a lot nicer to yourself.
1: Yeah. And it takes conscious effort. <laughs> Um, we have our past self, we have our present self and we have our future self. So as you're constantly like p- um, fighting all those selves within you, um, it takes practice. The first time is gonna, I know the first time for me, it felt really like uncomfortable. Like, oh, what am I saying? These nice things to myself. Oh, um, I don't want anyone to hear this stuff, but uh, with practice, with compassion, with forgiveness, like it gets easier. Um, and those thoughts that you view as negative, they don't have to be, um, they could just be a part of the picture. They don't have to be the whole picture. Absolutely.
0: Um, all right, so we've come to the end of our time today. I, it, this always goes too fast. I, I, I'm really sorry to everybody's questions that we did not get to cover. Um, there were amazing questions asked both ahead of today's chat and in the chat. Um, So I'm gonna try and gather those up as much as possible and see if we can get some answers for you guys. If we can, I'll make sure that they're put onto the the page on our website where the rewatch link will lead you um, so that way people can see that. Um, I do just wanna take this time to really thank Esther. Um, Thank you so much for spending time with our our community today, being so open and um, allowing yourself to be very vulnerable with us. It's it's very much appreciated. Is there anything that you'd like to say to our community before we leave today?
1: Thank you for having me. Um, I think the most important thing I want everybody to walk away with from this conversation, sorry, Slack. (laughs) I stopped, get it together.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No worries, mine went off too. (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, so the most important thing I want everyone to kind of walk away with is the understanding that grief looks different for everybody, um, and how everybody deals with it is completely different. Um, And we should be okay to talk about our feelings, and we don't have to fix everything for everyone, including ourselves. It's okay.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, I want to uh, close this out today. I put a bunch of links in the chat um, so you can take a look at those if you'd like. Just as an FYI, Zynga, AKA Natural Motion is hiring. Um, so please feel free to take a look at their company page, see if there's anything there that would suit you or that you would be interested in doing with them. Um, again, if you, if there's nothing there but you are still interested in working for the company, please go ahead and click the follow button. It's the easiest way to stay updated on um, new roles that they post when they participate in events like today. And it also tells tells the company that you are interested in in working with them. And you can do that for any of the companies on Power to Fly. Um, Doesn't just have to be Zynga, and you can change who you follow um, as, I think, anytime you like and as often as you like. So please feel free to do that. Um, I wanna say a huge thank you to our our community members who, Joined us for today's chat. Thank you so much for the amazing questions and guys. The the chat itself was like almost brought me to tears a couple of times. So thank you so much for, for everybody, um, to everybody who participated. Sorry guys. Sorry the dogs decided to participate. Um, as I uh, round out today's chat, I'll um, I'm going to leave the the chat up for a, a little bit as I uh, stop the recording and everything. That way, if you want to go back and grab some links, you're more than able to. Um, If you have further questions, please feel free to connect with me on either LinkedIn or you can email hi at powertofly.com. I run the help desk inbox. I also put Esther's LinkedIn information there as well. Um, Yeah, thank you so much to everybody for participating. And I can't wait to host another one of these. Esther, I hope we'll be able to have you back soon.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate everybody listening to me talk for ages.
0: (laughs) No, it was fascinating. Thank you so much.
1: are you? All right, everybody, have a lovely
0: Thursday, and I will uh, see you. Hopefully, see more of your faces around here for future chat and learns. Thanks, guys.